0: Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm Priscilla McKinney with you as always, the mama bird here and host of this show. And as always, we are just trying to pull the curtain back, if you will, and see what it's really like inside marketing, inside market research, and get to hear from experts who have. Just a great perspective from all of their experience, and I like to say when they come on my show, they are unconsciously competent. and <laughs> We can talk about anything that is in their wheelhouse, and you will have an amazing aha moment. So I have known this guest for a long time. Stacy Weber is the VP of Gazelle Global, and she joins me today. Welcome for the first time to my show, Stacy.
1: Thank you, Priscilla. I appreciate you having me. Well, you and
0: I have talked so much thinking, how can we like bring this down into a focal point of what you have to offer because you are so seasoned in this field, but I am going to do my best. And I just want to give people a little bit of an idea of what you do day to day at Gazelle Global, because I think it is such an amazing service to come to this industry that has a million parts, a million logistics, a million details and checklists and project management woes and everything else. And you guys really are the glue that keeps these things together. So as VP over at Gazelle Global, give us a little bit of an idea of your day-to-day and probably what you're going to say is how much it could vary.
1: (laughs) That's true. I was going to say we're a small company, so a lot of us wear many hats. It really kind of depends on where I'm needed. I do a lot with project proposals at this point. So I'm looking at things that come in and figuring out how are we going to get this done? Because as you mentioned, Gazelle works in a lot of different areas, not just one methodology. We're global. So sometimes there's some out-of-the-box thinking that you need to kind of do to make sure that you're going to reach the people and that you're looking for and being able to get what the client needs. So I do a lot of that, which can be sometimes very straightforward. And other times, like I said, it requires thinking out of the box and being more consultative with the clients because sometimes they really don't know what they need or what they're asked to sort of get to that target that they're really looking for and get the insights that they're going to need for their client. So I do a lot of that. I also do quite a bit of operations once we actually get things in and trying to make sure that that's moving through the shop. I don't really do project management per se, but kind of more consultative in that area. Then of course, there's other other things that might pop up, whether it's marketing or just help with something that's putting fires out, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, I love that. So, This idea, kind of the big picture, you're like, it's not small project management, but more it's about the operational structure and creating a framework for what does this company need to get done? Why are they coming to Gazelle Global? And it's interesting because just over the years, we've talked a lot about insourcing versus outsourcing and why it's so smart for even large market research firms, strategy firms, to outsource this operational needs. And whether it's data collection or just like a long laundry list. So we'll talk about the laundry list a little bit, but help people understand where you're coming from in terms of like, when you say I'm dealing with the RFP and I'm helping to kind of massage it and get it the way that the client really needs it. Help us understand what that sounds like.
1: Well, it sort of depends on what the project is. I mean, a lot of times, end clients have this idea about what they want to do, whether it's a methodology or whether it's a specific target. And there are times where that doesn't match up or... What they think they can do, you really can't do, especially when you're talking about global research. You can't apply what we can do in the United States to all the other countries in the world because it doesn't necessarily work or you're not going to find those people. So sometimes it's that sort of thing. Other times it's just a difficulty. It could be a domestic project, just the reach And sometimes our clients don't know either. So we sort of need to counsel those clients so they can counsel their clients about what is really the best way to make this happen. And fortunately, sometimes there's also target differences, not just methodology. That's kind of the easy one, that you're not going to be able to get a certain type of respondent online in Botswana, which literally I just did a bid for Botswana. So there's that. But sometimes when you look at the objectives of what they're trying to do... You can kind of say, well, you're stating you want this target, but your objective, there's also a mix match there.
0: I love that. So people are coming to you saying that they've got a global sampling problem or they need you to manage things in the field and whatever it is, they need this data collected. But you're saying, wait, before we get this into a project, we need to make sure that whatever tools we're going to bring or whatever methodology you want us to use, that these are in alignment eventually when we do deliver, whether it's raw data or completely analyzed data, is this going to make sense? Are you going to feel like, yep, got this project done. We actually understand the business question we were asking.
1: Right. In terms of the in-source versus outsource question, I mean, sometimes it's not necessarily a consultative issue for our clients or our clients' client. Other times, it's really a bandwidth issue or even an experience issue. So if you're a market research firm and you haven't been doing a lot of global research, or maybe you've only been doing global research with online panels, which is relatively easy because it works very similarly to what we're used to just domestically. Let's say you're doing qual or you can't get it online, the target. So you need to go to some other methodology, whether that's face-to-face or that's telephone. And sometimes our clients just don't have either the human resources to manage that because if you're in 12 countries, it does take a significant amount of management time, or they just don't have the experience in knowing where to go. Anyone can obviously get on the internet and Google research firm in whatever country, but they don't necessarily know anything about that particular country or the companies that operate in those countries. So, Gazelle has been doing this for a very long time before online research. Right. (laughs) A lot of our local partners and country partners we've been working with for more than a decade, two decades, some of them even three decades. Wow. We have a good feel as to who to go to, who's the best one in that country for a particular target or methodology, and who is more accurate in what they say they can do versus Mm -hmm. some people are overly optimistic. So we kind of manage that and are able to kind of take away some of that risk in terms of the feasibility because we have the expertise.
0: I love that. Okay, let's go back a little bit to something you mentioned just really quick in passing. And I thought it was really noteworthy, this idea that sometimes It's a bandwidth issue. I get that. They don't have enough time. They got a big load of work. And all of a sudden, they're like, hey, our teams are taxed. Even though we know how to do this, let's go get Gazelle Global to kind of tack on and be an addition to our team. And they can go get it done. And we can trust them to do it. But you mentioned this other thing about a skill set. And it's been from COVID and on out in a very interesting employment environment. Some people used to have people on their teams who had these skills. And now, all of a sudden, they don't. Or the methodology requested has shifted. And they're like, oh, well. We didn't even know we should be looking to hire this kind of person on our team. And all of a sudden, nobody wants to turn down work. So what I'm hearing is like Gazelle Global allows you to say yes to the work, but go find an expert to get this done. But tell me about that a little bit. You just mentioned in passing this idea of sometimes clients don't have the skill set. And so they're looking to you to say, hey, do you have someone
1: on your team who's
0: skilled in this?
1: Basically, everyone at Gazelle has worked in multiple methodologies on a consistent basis, right? So you'll hear of of field companies and data collection firms like us who maybe they specialize, let's say, in online. But yeah, we can do CADI too. But in reality, it's kind of an add-on for them. So maybe they've done some of those projects, but they may not have a ton of them under their belts, or maybe they haven't worked in other countries, depending on where this project is whereas Gazelle, none of our methodologies are add-ons. They're all skill set. They're all in our real hands. Obviously, like I said, we started before online. So we were doing offline methodologies and then added online when online became an important piece of the research toolbox, but we don't specialize in any one methodology. And that goes for Quant and Qual as well. So, we pretty much do it all, and we have the operational expertise to run all kinds of projects. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because you are an
0: operations hub that basically can take over a project, or someone could hire you to do as little or as much of the project. But from your perspective, like back up, what advice would you give people? Like, what is the thing that you see people get wrong so often operationally that maybe to you seems just so obvious. And I don't know if you'll even uncover it because sometimes you do something so unconsciously that is so skilled. You think, ah, oh, no, just this. I always set up my projects this way. And the other people are like, oh, if only we had done that. <laughs> but can you see something like that? Like what kind of operational advice would you give to somebody who is really starting out on a larger global project when they haven't maybe done things at this scale or they haven't gone global before?
1: It's funny because I feel like if you were training or teaching somebody something, it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't have to be market research, but you learn so much yourself because you realize, yeah, I do that. Or, you know, as you're trying to explain yourself, you really learn a lot yourself. But I think the biggest problem, and we kind of already talked about this, is really just making sure that whatever you're trying to do makes sense in that country or in that target. And I think that's the biggest pitfall that companies have if they're just starting out doing global, especially global, because we're ethnocentric, right? So we think, oh, well, of course we could do that here. Why can't we do that in Germany and in South Africa and in Japan where that's not the case? I think companies need to keep an open mind on that and try not to get boxed into what they're used to doing a domestic project may not translate. I mean, in some some cases it will, but definitely not in all cases. So you have to sort of make sure you're flexible in that way. I think that's one of the the biggest problems. And along with that, even if you say, okay, well, I know I'm doing online in these five countries and we're going to do face-to-face and phone in another five, they're okay with that, but they also have to think about timelines and things like that. Because sometimes, you know, they'll think, oh, okay, well, here I am. I can get this done in two weeks. Well, maybe not if you're doing another methodology. So you have to kind of think all those steps through because it doesn't stop at methodology that's going to snowball into other things. You need to make sure those things line up and you're keeping all that in mind when you're giving your proposal or your timeline or executing the project to your end client.
0: I love this and I could unpack it a little further. I think what I hear you saying is, translating the language is one thing, but translating the concept, Translating even the vacation days, like, are you trying to get something done in China over Chinese New Year? Good luck. <laughs> what are some things like that that you've bumped into that culturally don't fit or time wise just don't fit? Where what you said, everybody's ethnocentric. So they figure, oh, okay, well, I'm good this weekend. But we all know that if someone wanted you to run a research panel on Super Bowl Sunday, you're not going to get anybody responding, right? <laughs>
1: I used to have a client that would say on holidays and things like that, that only prisoners and losers respond.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first, so don't do your progress then. So, what are some of those things that you find that people are unaware of that how much further it goes beyond just language translation? Let's take a short break. As a business professional, mastering social media is no longer a nice-to-have set of skills, but a fundamental need in order to advance your career and exceed goal. A lot of people are interested in learning social selling techniques for revenue generation, network building, and maybe even to advance their thought leadership. But what is actually needed is a practical and repeatable system to digitally transform whole teams that commit to creating meaningful digital communities and learn how to leverage social media to turn relationships into sales online far outperform their competitors. And companies that commit to investing in their teams to increase their personal social influence reap the benefit of increased brand awareness and positive upticks in company reputation. Social media is natural. It's cost-effective and it's an easily leveraged tool at anyone's disposal. What is lacking is an effective and proven system that trains sales, marketing, HR, and executives alike to move from social selling to complete digital transformation and into digital dominance. Our 12-week social selling course is a practical, hands-on experience It's taken over time specifically to address the needed mindset shifts, the changes in habits and behaviors, and all of this while implementing new skills. You will learn how to network effectively and at scale, build rapport with targeted audiences, expand your influence, and become the go-to authority in your area of expertise. So this is not a quick tips and tricks for LinkedIn success flash in the pan. It's a commitment to changing the way you show up online and experience career-shifting breakthroughs. This is expert instruction in small cohorts with personalized one-on-one coaching. If you're interested, go learn more at littlebirdmarketing.com slash social-influence.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely the holiday situation is something you need to be aware of. There are countries that, like you mentioned, the Chinese New Year. So nothing's happening for that entire week. And I actually had that issue this past Chinese New Year where they wanted to do a project and we had to wait because no one was working. It's like
0: Spain during Semana Santa or all of August in France.
1: (laughs) I was gonna say the summer in Europe.
0: Just forget it.
1: That's that's difficult. So so we have to be cognizant of those things. And there's so many holidays in many different countries. You know, everyone has a national holiday and that sort of thing. So whoever partner that you're using definitely would rely on that so that you're aware of all the bank holidays and just all those little holidays. I mean. Christmas. In the Christian world, there's countries that shut down for longer than what we're used to in the US. So it's not just, oh, well, maybe in between could be from like the 18th through little Christmas, you're out for a few weeks. So that's certainly important to look at that. Also in like the Arab world, their work week is different than our work week. They're working Sunday to Thursday, Friday, they're off. So those kinds of things as well that plays into it. If you come to me and you're asking me for a proposal and you have a bunch of countries, and sometimes I'll get something sent to me at 10 o'clock in the morning, they're like, can I have costs back today? Well, no, because Europe's closed and Asia's sleeping. Also, if you're sending it to me on Thursday and it's in the Middle East, well, you're not going to get anything until I mean, maybe Sunday, our time, that's going to be Monday. So you have to think about that too, when you're not just with the project execution, but also during the bidding process it can take a while. And there are other countries that don't have the same sense of urgency that we are accustomed to. So they're not going to turn things around as quickly as maybe we think that they should. I mean, that's not true for all countries. Some of them are quick as what we're used to here. But there's other ones that it's not unusual to take three days to get pricing back to you.
0: Right. I would file this under crazy workaholic Americans. <laughs> You've got to realize that the whole rest of the world does not operate this way. Right. That's so interesting because as you, like you said, you provide the framework for the operations to make it work. That's a lot of setting expectations with people.
1: Yeah, definitely. When there's somebody that's not well-versed in global work, The other one that I absolutely can't stand is when they want to do research all over the globe, but they only want to do it in English. Oh, okay. (laughs) That doesn't work. Let's say we're looking for a B2B target. Well, they speak English because they communicate in English with other countries for business purposes. But there is a huge difference between being able to write a business email and actually being able to sit on the phone or a video, IDI, for an hour and express your thoughts and ideas in a language that is not your own. There's a huge difference in that. So. If you're trying to do that, your data is not going to be as good. Your insights aren't going to be as good. And it's rude. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go back to this. Number one, rude. (laughs) Like we want you to do this for us, but we can't be bothered to do this in language. So accommodate us. And some countries are quite offended by that. Well, and that's interesting because the whole
0: business of insight is bent around trying to make the respondent the most comfortable they possibly can so that you really get the most authentic answer from them. I'm bilingual, but let me tell you, Spanish is not my first language. And so if you really, I start getting emotional or I'm trying to really understand a bigger concept of why I do a certain behavior, if that's not my first language, I don't think I could really express that to you in Spanish. And so it's not only ethnocentric in that sense, and maybe like we said, rude, but also your really not going to get the quality of insights that you're asking for and that you need to answer your business challenges right now. So I can see where that's frustrating at every piece of the lifespan of the market research project.
1: Definitely, you're not going to get what you need. And you're going to lose so much nuance, so much insight. And I think companies try to do it because, oh, it's less expensive, right? They don't have to first translate the materials to get the people and then translate the transcripts or whatever the deliverable is. They can moderate themselves. They don't have to pay for an in-language moderator and all these things. But it's just a really poor way of trying to do it.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay, let me kind of end with this idea that I want to kick out to you. There is a book out called Range by David Epstein. Amazing book. And he's talking about how generalists really do very well in a specialized world. And I thought of Gazelle Global when I thought of this, because in the last decade, you alluded to it a little bit earlier in the conversation we've had so many companies so specialized. We only do this. We only do this. We only do this. And yet these companies have so many things they need to get done. And so Gazelle Global, in my personal opinion, is almost like the last man standing here where you guys do a broad range of services. What you specialize in is helping companies go global with their research. And that means... A lot of different things. And so it's not just we do mobile video ethnography globally. <laughs> it's not just one thing there. But it's really interesting because I see those tides shift a little bit. It's so valuable now being able to come to one stop shop and say, look, we've got these three different things that are very different, but yet they need to coordinate. So I guess I'd love to hear a little bit from you what your thoughts are this because I see that there was everybody specialized, specialized, specialized. And you guys here, I would say generalists, obviously experts, but you're experts in a wide range of services. And how invaluable is that? From your perspective, what are you seeing in terms of trends with what people are calling you for from that wide range of things that you can do? Are there things that are standing out that People are just like, they can't find people to do this anymore. Everybody is so specialized out of it that these are the things that, oh my gosh, we'll pay anything. if you can get this done for us.
1: I think in terms of what we're asked for, I mean, it runs the gambit. Since, as you mentioned, we don't specialize in any particular industry or methodology. We are seeing a wide array of research topics and targets that people are looking to do. We never seem to get those really easy jobs. But we do a lot of healthcare work just because we have some clients that specialize in healthcare work. I would say that's our biggest industry, just not on purpose, just the way it happened. But I mean, I think specialization is great in some ways. We see a lot of online panels and this sort of thing popping up that are B2B specific, for example. And that's important because we do need that specialization because you can't treat B2B audiences The same way as you do consumers and expect them to respond and actually reach the people that you really are looking for. So if you want VPs of something, you're not going to find them in bulk in a general consumer panel that takes surveys on mac and cheese and things like that. So in terms of Gazelle, we are general, but because of that, we sort of know where to go. If we do need someone that is a specialist in a given target. From our point of view, you need to know where to go.
0: Yeah, so it's not what you know. Again, we come back to it too, you know? So if you just call Gazelle Global...
1: Way, yeah. yeah. Well,
0: we joke around about this all the time with you, and me, and one of the founders of Gazelle Global, Ann Brown, which I know a lot of people listening to this podcast know her as well. But talk about all the experience! I love asking all the tough questions to Stacy and to Ann together because I am bound to get a very crazy story. But just when you laugh there about how come we don't get the easy projects, well, you kind of set yourself up for that, Stacy. You kind of got known for being able to come in and rescue stuff and really ask the hard questions about yeah, but how are we really gonna get this done across the globe? So you kind of did it to yourself, I have to say.
1: I you know we did in my previous life, I worked for an online, primarily online panel provider and I would joke like the projects that Gazelle does, or the projects that if they came across my desk at my other company, I'd be like, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's basically the jobs that we take on are the ones that are difficult and require multi mode or multi country. And sometimes it's not even multi mode, but the niche targets that are difficult to reach. And the problem I think that some people Going back to my B2B example and online and using specialty sources rather than more general panels, is that, well, the client might expect that, well, can I get these CEOs of Fortune 500 companies for 20 bucks? Well, no, you're going to pay 200 bucks or whatever it is. I mean, people need to sort of be educated on that as well, where, If someone says, well, sure, I can get you that. Well, maybe you are going to get complete in your survey, but are they really the people that you're looking for?
0: Right. Again, it kind of comes back to you're providing the framework and you're setting expectations. And the third piece, which was super important, you talked about at the beginning, you're aligning the work that's about to get done with the thing they're trying, the question they're asking. Like, Are we sure we're going to get the right answer here? And I really love that. Okay. As a thank you for taking your time and really helping my audience get a little bit of perspective. Maybe they're ready to go global. Maybe they want to say yes to that next piece of business, but they don't have the global experience. Or maybe here domestically, they just don't have the bandwidth and they got a new big piece of business and they don't have that skill set or they don't have the time. They can still say yes to that market research project and then you know call Gazelle Global in. So I guess to that end, because you were willing to do me a favor and come on my show, <laughs> tell us, what would be an ideal piece of work? What's one of those really easy ones you'd like to see come across your desk?
1: I don't think that's going to happen, for
0: <laughs> <laughs> It would come on, people. It's my gift to Stacy. Would you give it up for her? Send her an easy project.
1: Would <laughs> be nice. It would be nice. But I don't really have an ideal project because we pretty much do everything. I think global work is great. We're very well versed in it, and whether it's quant or qual. We should be able to handle that. I can kind of tell you what is not my ideal work is something that doesn't really make sense, right? <laughs> so just some of that common sense things, or again, back to the language, no, we're not doing a global project all in English. I would just say something that definitely, you kind of looked at it and you kind of put it through the common sense test that, okay, I think this might work, right? Yeah, this might work, but
0: I don't know how to get it done. Let's run it by Stacy see if she thinks it can be done. <laughs>
1: If you say I want to do this online and I might have to come back and say, well, I'm sorry, in these countries, this has to be caddy or this has to be face-to-face or whatever it may be. But really, if we don't think we can get it done, probably it can't be done.
0: Right. Well, that's the reputation you have in this industry. <laughs> people are like, they're my Obi-Wan Kenobi if they can't do it. <laughs> they were my only hope. <laughs> I'll gift you that one. You can just let people know that Gazelle Global is the Obi-Wan Kenobi of market research. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Stacey, thanks for coming on. And I can't wait to see you at some of the other market research events this year. You guys are always so just overtly helpful with your expertise and so approachable too. I mean, some people don't know what can get done and what can't get done. So just having a quick conversation, kind of suss it out is super helpful knowing someone in the industry who who can give you some advice.
1: Thank you. We will have a presence in pretty much the, obviously, the major conferences, SMR and Insights and that sort of thing. And, you know, local events too, around wire events or their IA events. And we are celebrating our 30-year anniversary this year.
0: Amazing.
1: And, you know, it's a
0: female-founded company too, I might add. And that's one thing I really love about the work that you guys do with Women in Research it's so supportive. It's so just giving of expertise, providing mentors, doing so many cool things and really putting your money where your mouth is in terms of supporting women in research. I really appreciate that about Gazelle Global.
1: We're proud to be members there. too.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Stacey. And from all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing.